Alhamdulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Welcome everybody to the Safina Society Nothing But Facts live stream where we got Ryan at the helm and we got a couple segments today. Our first segment, Adwa' wa Dhikru. Ryan, did I ever send you the picture of Masjid Al-Fatih? Just the picture. I'm sending you just the picture. I'm going to email you the picture right now. And then you can, um, when we make the dua, you can put the picture up. Let's email Raya that picture because just the mihrab is enough, inshallah. Beautiful, beautiful mihrab here. Masjid al-Fatih. I have a great attachment to Masjid al-Fatih because of that dua on Wednesday that was something that became very special to me. And then, our building became called Darul Fatih. Like, without any, you know, connection from myself. Nothing like, not like orchestrated or anything. So we have, inshallah, many, many futuhats coming up. Let's begin. Segment number one of our program today is Dua Yom Al-Arbi'ah Bain Al-Dhuhri Wal-Asr Dua Al-Fatih. This dua is so important. If you've been an attendee of uh, nothing but facts, you know what we're doing here. And that is we are, in the Allah Ta'ala, practicing the hadith that's narrated from Sayyidina Jabir ibn Abdullah. In this hadith, Sayyidina Jabir ibn Abdullah noted that the Messenger of Allah, at the end of the Battle of the Khandaq, when the Muslims had reached their limit, there was no food, there was no security anymore, they were really at their last amounts of patience left in them. The Sahaba were just khalas. And the Prophet made dua on Monday, didn't get an answer. Tuesday he made a long dua. Wednesday, he got his answer. And Sayyidina Jabir described it as bain as-salatain, between duhr and asr. And that area, he made dua in that tent. We're going to put a picture up of that little musalla that they made out of that later on. So we take advantage of that and we recite uh, a word here called Hizbun Nasr. What's the difference between Nasr and Fatah? Nasr is victory after struggle and fighting. Fatah is victory without any of that. Victory without struggle or fighting. And so, inshallah, we're going to recite this, and then we stop, we make dua for about three, four, five minutes. A'udhu billahi minash shaitan ar-rajeem, bismillah ar-rahman ar-rahim, inna fatahna laka fatham mubina, liyaghfira laka allahu ma taqaddama min dhambika, wa ma ta'akhar, wa yutimmin amatahu alayka, wa yahdiyaka siratam mustaqima. وَيَنْصُرَكَ اللَّهُ نَصْرًا عَزِيزًا وَكَانَ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ وَجِيهًا وَجِيهًا فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ وَمِنَ الْمُقَرَّبِينَ وَجَهْتُ وَجْهِيَ لِلَّذِي فَطَرَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرُضِ بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نصر من الله وفتح قريب وبشر المؤمنين يا أيها الذين آمنوا كونوا أنصار الله كما قال عيسى بن مريم للحواريين من أنصاري إلى الله قال الحواريون نحن أنصار الله الله لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم لا تأخذه سنة ولا نوم له ما في السماوات وما في الأرض ماذا الذي يشفع عنده إلا بإذنه 
يعلم ما بين أيديهم وما خلفهم ولا يحيطون بشيء من علمه إلا بما شاء وسع كرسيه السماوات والأرض ولا يؤده حفظهما وهو العلي العظيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لو أنزلنا هذا القرآن على جبل لرأيته خاشعا متصدعا من خشية الله وتلك الأمتان نضربها للناس لعلهم يتفكرون هو الله الذي لا إله إلا هو عالم الغيب والشهادة هو الرحمن الرحيم هو الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الملك القدوس السلام المؤمن المهيمن العزيز الجبار المتكبر سبحان الله عما يشركون هو الله الخالق البارئ المصور له الأسماء الحسنى يسبح له ما في السماوات والأرض وهو العزيز الحكيم أعيذ نفسي بالله تعالى من كل ما يسمع بأذنين ويبصر بعينين ويمشي برجلين ويبطش بيدين ويتكلم بشافتين حصنت نفسي بالله الخالق الأكبر من شر ما أخاف وأحذر من الجن والإنس وأن يحضرون عز جاره وجل ثناؤه وتقدست أسماءه ولا إله غيره اللهم إني أجعلك في نهور آدائي وأعوذ بك من شرورهم وتحيلهم ومكرهم ومكائدهم أطفئ نار من أراد بعداوة من الجن والإنس يا حافظ يا حفيظ يا كافي يا محيط سبحانك يا رب ما أعظم شأنك وأعز سلطانك تحصنت بالله وبأسماء الله وبآيات الله وملائكة الله وأنبياء الله ورسل الله والصالحين من عباد الله حصنت نفسي بلا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم اللهم احرسني بعينك التي لا تنام واكنفني بكنفك الذي لا يرام وارحمني بقدرتك علي فلا أهلك وأنت ثقتي ورجائي يا غياث المستغيثين يا غياث المستغيثين يا غياث المستغيثين يا درك الهالكين يا درك الهالكين يا درك الهالكين اكفني شر كل طارق يطرق بليل أو نهار إلا طارق يطرق بخير إنك على كل شيء قدير بسم الله أرقي نفسي من كل ما يؤذي ومن كل حاسد الله شفائي بسم الله رقيت اللهم رب الناس أذهب الباس اشفي أنت الشافي وعافي أنت المعافي لا شفاء إلا شفاءك شفاء لا يغادر سقما ولا ألما يا كافي يا وافي يا حميد يا مجيد ارفع عني كل تعب شديد واكفني من الحد والحديد والمرض الشديد والجيش العديد واجعل لي نور من نورك وعز من عزك ونصرا من نصرك وبهاء من بهائك وعطاء من عطائك وحراسة من حراستك وتأييد من تأييدك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام والمواهب العظام أسألك أن تكفيني من شر كل ذي شر إنك أنت الله الخالق الأكبر وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه والحمد لله رب العالمين ظاهرا وباطنا وعلى كل حال يا أرحم الراحمين إن شاء الله we'll here for dua for a couple minutes
على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين Segment number two, my brothers and sisters, is that if you are interested in the Safina Society, nothing but facts, live stream, okay, then go to patreon.com forward slash Safina Society and get involved. Get involved by becoming a patron. That's how you're going to support this. Because guess what? We're embarking on a program of guests, okay? Barking on a program of guests. And a lot of good things come out of this. We're going to have some guests. A lot of scholars of Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah are, are here in America and we need to share them with you. So we're going to start doing that. Between England, between America, we're going to start doing that slowly. Secondly, the, 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 you can possibly use this as a way to get marriage. We had our first Mawadda marriage, by the way. Last Friday, through mbic.org forward slash mawadda, M A W. Is it two W's? Two D's, A double D A. And we had our first marriage. It wasn't through the stream, but it was through mawadda. And it wasn't locals. One was from another state completely, and one was a local. MashaAllah, great people. Today we're going to talk about, this is segment number two, a lecturer, miskeen, adjunct professor, shows a painting of the Prophet Muhammad, she lost her job. Hamline University, you never even heard of the joint, okay, you never even heard of this place. She's a poor old, well she's not old, I'm saying, she's just a poor adjunct professor, Erica Lopez Prater, an adjunct professor at Hamline University, I've done these jobs, I was one of these adjuncts before, you get the job, they look at your resume, you know how to, you stand on two feet, you know how to read, they give you the job, you got eyes, you got a degree of some sort, they just throw you the intro, they don't even give you the syllabus, this is your class, go to room C35 in Baker's Hall, teach these kids, you you go in, you teach, you give the exams, you submit the grades on a computer, you meet with the chair of the department once a semester. It's, this is a very bottom of the... Uh, to, to, to work in a high school is more serious than to be an adjunct professor, trust me. Nobody cares. The students don't care. The head of the department is just happy to fill in this class, right? Whether you come, you leave, no one cares. That's not the point. The point here, though, is that this teacher, this is not a place to have an agenda, number one. Students aren't even paying attention. This teacher, it, it, it has come across to us, is just that she's showing pictures of ancient Persia. Ancient meaning like a thousand years ago, maybe 800 years ago. Not ancient, ancient. One of these pictures was the Prophet Muhammad, a depiction of the Prophet in her global art class, which she's showing as a representation of what they were painting in Persia at the time. Now, for us, it's haram, right? But from, from the perspective of 
desecration? Is she trying to defame? Is she trying to insult? Is she trying to offend? No, she's not. She's literally doing a survey class here, right? It's a survey class. And this picture, when you take these classes, the picture shows up for like five minutes on an overhead, or maybe they have a smart board, and that's it. Move on to the next subject. It's a survey. This is a secular university, right? Hamline University. This is not Hamline Sharia University. This is just Hamline University. You're, you signed up to go to a secular university. So she's treating this with respect. Okay, it's not according to our Sharia. It's haram to do this in our Sharia. But what happens is that apparently some Muslim students, which we're going to read here, they got the woke bug and they went all woke on this lady using Islam as this is like uh, a minority, we're a minority, we're being offended, okay? Now, did anyone raise their hand and say, hey, I'm offended? That, or, what is I'm offended? This is haram, right? It's not like offensive in the sense of like you, you showed a picture of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam like the Charlie Hebdo deformed, in a way that's like ugly, that way you could say offensive. How is those Persian po- pictures are trying to elevate the prophet? Of course, that's haram what they're doing, but they're not. They're definitely trying to elevate the messenger, peace be upon him, in their painting. They're definitely not trying to offend you. So to say that it's offensive is a little bit of a stretch. Erica Lopez, an adjunct professor at Hamline University, we're reading here from the New York Times said she knew many Muslims have deeply religious, deeply held religious beliefs that prohibit depictions of the Prophet. So she took many precautions before showing this one painting. In the syllabus, she warned the images of holy figures, such as Prophet Muhammad and Buddha, would be shown in the course. Drawn by people seeking to honor those people. She disclosed it in advance. You took the course. I want to take a culinary course. Hey, Ahmad, is that you? Listen to this. You, you hear what we're talking about? Okay. The, you take a culinary course, right? The culinary course tells you you're going to be cooking pork. You get to the culinary course, and they teach you pork, uh, and they teach you how to cook pork. Do you then come and, uh, uh, and claim this is an Islamophobic course, and they're trying to insult us by feeding us pork. You have no claim, right? No claim. That's what I'm saying. Not everything that, just because like, we have this minority status, we're going to jump on it and go woke on these people. So she warned, on every, she warned them. She said, ask students, contact me with any concerns. Now, let's say there's 10 Muslims in the course. Hey, uh, I know that you're not trying to disrespect us, but we just have to say this is like something forbidden in our course, in our religion. We're just going to sit out that day. That's it. Maximum, right? Remember, it's a secular school. So it's not like she's not bound by halal and haram. She's bound, according to secular law, commonsensical law, not to offend the the other people. Don't offend your students, right? These people are tuition-paying students, right? Okay. Nobody responded. Nobody said anything. We we need to get you a back check. If you you want, you mind sitting here? Or you want to sit there? You're more comfortable here. That way, I don't have to keep craning my neck. Yeah. 
Just get a backjack or get a poof. There's a backjack, there's a poof, there's everything. Okay. Ahmad is here from Texas visiting. Ahmad is one of these genius mathematicians. There's like one grade in, in, in of these guys that crop up. The IQ level was very high. I don't know what was going on. The baby formula of that generation, like Uthman, Karim, you, Oyan, that, that whole course. You're, you're like what, when you're older than those guys? Oz? Okay. Anyway, nobody raised their hand. Nobody emailed her. Now, in class, she took another precaution. She prepped the students saying, in a few minutes, we will display. I can't believe she did this. We will display what may be offensive to some students. So anyone may leave and you will not lose credit. I can't believe she did it. She did it in the, in the syllabus. She does it the day of the class. And no one will lose credit. I say, listen, I'm, I'm not up for this. This is against my religion. I'm not partaking in this. She's basically opening the door for you. And she's saying you will not lose credit in the class. I wish I could, you know, this type of person is somebody who is not trying to offend you. She's not showing Charlie Hebdo pictures. She's just showing these paintings, right? Which Muslims made. Now, she doesn't care if you're Sunni or Shia. They're Shias probably who made these paintings. But she's like, okay, these are people trying on. It's an anthropological, it's like a global course. She doesn't care about your theology. Her, she's bound by respect. All right. Then Miss Dr. Lopez showed the image. And that began to her losing her teaching gig. Okay. Officials at Hamline, a small private university in St. Paul, Minneapolis. How many students? 1,800 students. In the whole university. In the whole university. How is this in university? It's a home school, right? It's a high school. High schools all have more people than this, right? And what we're going to about to see is the administration completely buckling to the woke agenda. Not everything that says Islamophobia is, has to do with Islam. I'm sorry. This has nothing to do with Islam, what they're about to do here. This is wokeism. Using Islam as a token. She, they tried to douse what they feared would become a runaway fire. Instead, they ended up with what they had tried to avoid. That's exactly what happens. When you try to run away from a controversy, you create it. But if you face it head on and say, hey, no, we were being totally respectful. You don't like this painting? Go talk to your Persian Muslims who made it. They're the ones who made it, right? Go talk to your own people. Fix your own house first. We're being respectful. We're not showing you what a kafir made about a Muslim. We're showing you what a Muslim made about a Muslim, right? So they tried to run away, and that's the thing. When the woke come, when the woke mob comes, you cannot bend not you cannot seed one centimeter if you seed one centimeter you're done with and the world that i live in i want to even not even be in the same zip code as them like i want i've been telling them i'm not uh like uh i'm not your friend from a long time ago i've been pushing them back right from a long time from 20 12, when I first started, and I knew this trend was coming because I saw it in California. I saw all these, there wasn't such a word called woke, anyway. It was just like, like liberal types, progressive liberals surrounding um, 
out in California, surrounding the du'ats out in California, right? And I'm like, no, this is no good. You're inviting them, but they're not coming and submitting to Islam as it is. They're coming with their own expectations. And I'm like, no, this is dangerous. Because once they're in your circle and you have to try to please them, you can't. You have to keep bending the rules. So the best thing is keep them at bay in the first place. Because they're an entitled group. They're going to come with their own demands. So I always like to keep them at bay. Every, it used to be a lot more. But then it became just once a month. Even now was like less than that. Throw a grenade over there. Right? Something that you know they're going to despise you for. And they won't come near you. Right? And that's how I think it's, we, it's a protection. Next. They ended up uh, with what they tried to avoid, which pitted advocates of academic liberty and free speech against Muslims who believe showing the image of the Prophet Muhammad is always sacrilegious. No, that's not the controversy. I'm sorry to tell you. That is not the controversy. I believe it's sacrilegious. All of us believe it's haram. But we also know the rules of secular universities. And we're not going to try to impinge that upon them when they're being respectful. Right? You're being respectful. You're not showing some insulting image. Yes, you're showing a haram image. Wait a second. Aren't half your liberal arts courses also haram to us? Right? Don't you have atheism being spoken in some of these courses? So where do you draw the line? We're going to come on this painting, this Persian image, and that's what offends us. What about all the atheism taught in the courses? Right? What about all the secular ethics being taught in all the other courses? So when you're dealing with a secular university and you're signing up to a secular university, you have expectations. Or if you don't like it, which I don't, don't sign up. Don't go to the school. Take the science classes. Take the tech classes. Don't take the liberal arts classes. Okay, so this is a wrong framing. It's not about that. It's about, this is, in my view, as I, and I did read the blurb that one of the students put out. This is using Islam uh, uh, as a woke um, token. After Dr. Lopez Prater showed the image, a senior in the class complained to the administration. Wait a second. She told you in the syllabus. She said it in class. You're a hypocrite. Why didn't you get up? Why didn't you contact her? Because I guarantee you, you, weren't even, you didn't read the syllabus, right? And you probably didn't. You're a senior taking it in art class. What does that mean? That means I just got some credits to finish, right? This is, this is a one-on-one art class, like a survey class. Who takes a survey class as a senior? Right? Yeah, that's all it is. Okay. Other Muslim students not in the course supported the students. Hey, a party. Let's burn someone's life down and take them down. Okay, so you out there in Hamline University, the taqwa has reached such a level, khalas, right, that you cannot even bear the messenger of Allah, sallam. it's not like we're bearing it, we're accepting it, right? But, khalas, they reach the level. This is an attack on our faith. This is nonsense. Khalas. Yes. So all the atheism being spouted is not an attack on your faith. All the other stuff that actually has an impact on people. In fact, some of these Persian paintings, I think we've all seen some of them, Sometimes they put a flame. 
sometimes it's the prophet. Sometimes you don't even know what it is, right? Someone may look at that and say, wow, this is beautiful, actually beautiful religion. They produce beautiful stuff. I never would imagine anyone's going to look at these Persian paintings and say, what a terrible religion, right? Horrible religion. No one's going to say that. These paintings are actually really nice, right? Leave aside the part that's haram. Obviously, that's never going to be nice to us. We're never going to describe it that way. But overall, there's it's a painting that elevates your civilization. Aside the part that's forbidden, obviously. So they all demanded that officials take action. Okay, This class is an attack on your religion. If it's an attack on your religion, why did she put it in the syllabus? Why did she tell you if you want to leave? So officials now... Uh, they come in, they go over the department chair who approved all this and helped her walk it through so we don't offend these Muslim students, right? I want you guys, you Amer- these ratty kids, go live in Paris for half a day. They could care less about you and your religion. They will show you the Charlie Hebdo photos in public school, forget university, right? And they will jam it down your throats. Here you have some evangelicals, some Christians, you know, Minneapolis is a big Christian state. Tiptoeing. By the way, if you're not comfortable, you can sit there, no problem. They're tiptoeing around you and you still do this, right? You are clueless, okay? I just can't, I just don't know where it's stopping. Where is it going to stop the idea of students getting professors fired over something that they did that was that was by the rules of the administration forget this issue of religion right now they followed the rules of the administration there we talked about that chemistry professor from i think it was nyu or columbia the guy's been given the same course the same quizzes the same exams for 30 years and because you got some weak a weak generation maybe in covid they couldn't study biology well enough they get into his course and they flunk out, which means they're never going to become doctors. They petitioned and they got him fired that the course is too hard. He's like, what is it? Guys, I've been given the same exact course for 30 years, right? They got him fired. So where are we stopping here? Can I throw a perspective in? Go ahead. So I remember when I was in uh, community college, mm-hmm. basically, I forget if I was a Muslim. I think I was like, just became a Muslim and uh, I was taking world religions class and the teacher got to the Islamic, the Islam section where, and now we were online because of COVID. We had taken like Taoism, we had taken Buddhism, we took Hinduism, uh, all in person, but Islam, Judaism, and Christianity, we took online. And basically he gave us a quiz on Islam. And one of the questions on the quiz was which one, um, uh, which one is allowed in Islam? And it was like uh, eating pork, like cursing your parents, uh, believing in two gods or beating your wife uh, or is it, and, uh, and I emailed the guy yeah. that's a guy trying to insult I know I emailed I, meet, I, I emailed him you know and he was like I forget Alhamdulillah I watched this out of my mind I, I don't even remember what happened with it but then it makes me think of this because like if these kids didn't do that it's also wrong if they didn't you know Say feel something. some type of way about it yeah so that it's it's like it's a little extreme if they do get the person fired but it's also problematic if they don't do anything, too. It's tough. Exactly. They, she's telling you, this is what we're showing. This is according to the rules of this university. Okay? 
and she's saying, if you want to take my class, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. If you have issues with it, come talk to me. What does that mean? That means she might negotiate. Mm. She might, you might get her to decrease this, this painting and show something else. You might get her, she may stick to her guns. At least you said something, then you walk out of the class. Yeah. Uh, that guy. He's a doofus. He's I'm, trying I'm to go find my emails with him. Yeah. That guy, it, uh, it, you know, we're not supposed to espouse violence, but if someone was to go and say, oh, since you're okay, you know, uh, trying to offend us, we're going to, we'll beat you too, yeah. right? Since this is what you're all about, right? We'll beat you and see what happens, right? Because the idea of a reaction is good. I like a reaction and a strong reaction, but it has to be in the right place. You don't pick on somebody. To me, this is a small fry. The whole university is a small fry, right? 1,800 students, what, 200 people running the school in the middle of nowhere. They don't even get sunlight out there, right? Mm-hmm. Middle of nowhere, Minneapolis. And that's what you're going to, that's not the, the where the energy should go. There is a lot worse happening in the world that deserves a, a lot more. I, I, sympathize, just, I sympathize with these kids, though, because, like, the uh, it's such a fine line between being too sharp as a religion and, and everything that people are just like, oh, these Muslims, they're, they're too far off. Like, yeah. I can never accept this. And also being too loose where we're not even respecting our own tradition. Exactly. So, like, it's, it's tough. Well, this, they, 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 there's a couple things. They didn't follow the protocol that they were given. Yeah. Then you went like a snake and a weasel and a rat around the back and made a media firestorm. Yeah. Whereas we say in our religion, enter, doors from their, enter homes from their doors. Be straight. Look me in the eye and tell me what's going on, right? That's our religion, not to become a weasel like this. So it's the weaseliness that bothers me. Mm. And it's the upfrontness of the professor that I respect, okay? And it's on top of that, um, on, the, on the sense that we have to be a religion that steps up, you have to be smart too. You do this, now you have inspired a whole set of her colleagues and peers in the art field to now actually show worse things just to spite these kids. We are also, aren't we commanded do not curse foreign gods, idols, so that they don't curse Allah. So aren't we commanded in the Sharia, in the Quran, to, to be mindful of reactions that I may take a hesitant approach to a blasphemy because in my estimation, poking that bear is actually going to cause something worse. This, in my opinion, is not a fight that had should have happened in this way. It could have happened another way. But I guarantee you what it's going to result in is every art professor who has any atheistic view or what Christian view is going to now start showing Charlie Hebdo pictures. And how are you going to stop that? Okay. Officials then got involved. They told Ms. Lopez, your services next semester are no longer needed. Emails were sent to student and faculty saying the incident is Islamophobic. So the other thing that bothers me here is the spinelessness of the administration. This, at this point, we're not even talking about Dean here. This is just character. This, this administration has zero character. They have their complete bucklers. That's why you're, no offense or anything, that's why you're, you're admin at Hamline, not a, you Mitch or, or some real school. Right? No offense or anything. But you have no character. Okay? Not to offend this, but I mean, you could be at a small-time school and have great character. 
but you have no character, in my opinion. You can't withstand the pressure. Hamline's president, Fainese Miller, co-signs an email that said respect for Muslim students should have superseded academic freedom. Okay, I love that. I love that. Why could? But it had to have done right, been done right. And this is not the right way to do it. You're doing this as a fear response. So to me, that doesn't count. Right? It's a fear response. It's one of those, my tails are between my legs emails. They did a town hall. They invited a Muslim speaker. All right. Compared showing the images to teaching that Hitler was good. What? Firstly, why would you put Muhammad and Hitler in the same sentence in the first place? Think about that. Why would you put that in the same sentence? Do you know anything about psychology and persuasion? You're, you're linking the two in the same sentence. Now Hitler's in this article? Forget good or bad. He's in it. Who's this, this speaker? It's not even close to that. Just say, yeah, some people devoted themselves to Islam by drawing the prophet. This is forbidden. We would love for you to respect. We understand it's a secular school, maybe a Christian school. It'd be nice for you to respect this part of our faith, right? And Muslims who come and deal with people should also think about the reaction of that person because we are here not just to establish what's right and wrong in our religion, we're here also to win over people. Isn't that... When we were doing the live stream, uh, uh, the, the Sphine Society podcast, we were all in and we were hurling haymakers at the liberals. At some point, I realized, is our, is our goal... What's so funny, right? Yeah. Is our goal to smash these types of liberal Muslims or to change their minds? The enemies, like the Zionists, those people who are truly oppressing you, your job is to smash them. You're not changing their mind. You have to stop them first. But when we're talking about the lukewarm type of Muslim that's a little bit on the side, do we want to scare them off and crush them? Or do you want to win them over? First of all, they're human beings just like you. They may have limitations, may have made mistakes, whatever. So your job is actually to win people over, not to smash them. We have to keep that in mind when we deal with these people who are there as the Quran says, Laysu sawa. Laysu sawa. Not all disbelievers are against you. They're not all the same. Some of them may not know better. Maybe that's their belief, but they're trying to be respectful, like this lady here. Other of them, they're out to insult you. Okay? Laysu sawa. The treatment cannot be the same. Okay. Now, guess what happened? The response, free speech supporters have now started their own campaign. An Islamic art historian wrote an essay defending Dr. Lopez, demanding the university's board investigate the matter. It had more than 2,800 signatures. Free speech, see, that's what, you're now going to have cartoons of the prophet everywhere now. You got to go sensitively with this because this, to me, is an oppression. It's an oppression. You oppress this lady. Other people, they have done far worse uh, in their cartoons and far worse response. I'm happy to see it, right? That's not oppression. This guy was trying to insult your prophet. Whatever he gets, he gets at that point. Free speech groups and publications issued blistering critiques. Pen America called it one of the most egregious violations of academic freedom in recent memory. A bit of a stretch. <laughs> a bit of a stretch. I probably would say that 
the the biochem whatever professor from NYU was worse. The Muslims de- themselves debated whether the action was Islamophobic. Arguments over academic freedom have been fought on campuses for years, but they can be especially fraught at s- small private colleges like Hamline, which are facing shrinking enrollment and growing financial pressures. To attract applicants, they diversified their curriculum, tried to be more welcoming to students who have been historically shut out of higher education. Meanwhile, professors everywhere often face pushback for their academic decisions from activist students and conservative lawmakers. If I ran a college, activism would be not allowed on my campus. Go to class, go home. Old school, okay? Go to class. What activism? Why do you need a student club for the environment? Why do you need... Because if we open for the environment, you have to open for everything. No student clubs, right? You want to do a student club for a hobby. For a hobby, right? For To get a job or whatever, to help you get jobs, blah, blah, blah. Not... No activism here. Dr. Lopez, her situ- Dr. Lopez Prater's situation was especially precarious. She's an adjunct. Now she's on unemployment, one of higher education's underclass of teachers. See what I told you? The underclass, the, the, the rubbish of the teaching class. They work for very little pay, receiving few of the workplace protections, few, zero workplace protections. I don't even think you get a contract. You get a statement of employment. You know the difference? A contract gives you rights. Statement of employment says, we are hiring you and we will pay you $2,500. You're not signing anything. There was a guy, I'm not going to mention his name, he opened up an Islamic school. This guy was a shrewd businessman. He had millions of dollars. So he opens up an Islamic school. He hires all the teachers. He announces one day, uh, the, the numbers aren't cutting it. We're cutting all your pay by 25%. They flipped out. They said, we have a contract. This is not a contract. It's a statement of employment. Right? There's no contract here. You have no rights. I Trust me, I sympathize with this because I did this for about a couple years until I finally got full-time. Right? And I did this for a couple years in misery. In misery. Not only misery to me, misery to the students too. I'm in a bad mood. I don't care what you have to say. I have no office hours. I have office hours listed on the paper, but I'm not coming. Right? <laughs> I'm not taking the things as seriously as I could because I'm exhausted. Teach upstairs, up an hour uh, north. Then I have to go an hour south. Then I got to go back another hour north. Or on Wednesdays, I go an hour north. I go an hour south. I go another hour south. Three colleges, right? Who has time to prepare and to really care, right? I know, I know, I know the stuff. I lecture from my mind, right? I don't give out homework because I'm not checking it. And when I was forced to give out homework... Or part of my other job was to check the homework of the full-time professors. I would literally have a pile this big. I'd go down to my little, it was like a garage basement. It was an office behind the garage. I have all my papers there. And I would have a lecture or some Quran or something that I would be listening to. And I'd grade all the way from like 9 p.m. To by, by 10.30, I'm like doing this. By 10.30, if there's Arabic on the page, I'm, I'm check, 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 check. If there's Arabic on the page, you're too exhausted. That's how you do to make ends meet, right? And so when they're saying they're, 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 they got this lady fired, they really don't know what they've done. They work for little pay. They have no protections. 
Okay. They're actually oppressing the oppressed already. They're they're oppressing someone who's taken the scraps. Okay. You know what's incredible in all this? Yeah. If you kind of realize how like self consumptive, like self destructive, self consumptive this entire liberalism philosophy is here. Yeah. Right? At the end of the day, your goal is to, you know, liberate the oppressed. You're, you're the biggest oppressor. You're the biggest oppressor. You're going after someone who has little to no pay, no proper employment yeah. contract. You turn out, you you're, you are just like the Marxist now. The car, uh, the, the Marxist and the communist, they went out for the little guy, right? right. You can stick it here. They, their claim is that we're going to hear for the little guy. They become the biggest killers, right? Uh, after, uh, what was the second generation? Stalin. Stalin is what? The third leader, right? Who's the first one? Uh, Lenin. Lenin. It started with Lenin, right? Lenin, then who? Then someone else, then Stalin. The guy is the biggest killer of all people. He's the most feared dude. And so you start, you come off to liberate, but your beliefs are limited. They're not right, okay? So the only way, and they're subjective, the only way to actually do to, to to establish this is by force, and that's why every ideology, every speculative ideology, that requ- that does not touch the heart, that is totally materialistic, it's justice in a materialistic manner must be established by force. You go to Christianity, Judaism, Islam, even Buddhism, let's say, even Hinduism, these are things that appeal to your heart. And by appealing to your heart, you do it by yourself. So all you need is people to preach the message. And pretty much most of the people, they'll either do it by themselves. Uh, Abi Khan tells us that there was no one in between, only a dispute with Trotsky who didn't really have a strong claim. So there you go. The second generation, you became the biggest killers, right? So these woke, this woke mob, are they're claiming to be these good doers Everyone's walking around scared of you and wants you to be finished. And look at what she did, actually. She followed, like, every single rule in the liberal Everything, rule. yes. She gave a trigger warning yep. at the very beginning of the semester, ridden, a ridden warning. With, the, with a chance for you to talk. With, Call me. She said, come, talk to me. There's yep. zero consequences if you don't participate in this. Yep. Before the images were displayed, she gave a trigger warning. She said, anyone who wants to step out can step out over here. Yeah. She played it by the book. Meaning, she followed their rule book. Yeah, she follows the liberal rule book and to the T. And the liberal rule book, she ends up losing. Unbelievable. Like, how is, how is that fair? And, like, and, within their own yeah. ideology, you know? And she she did this with the uh, uh, approval of her her boss. So from an, impl- from an HR standpoint, how am I getting fired? My boss approved this. Why am I getting fired? Is my boss getting fired? How is this fair? Like, from an HR perspective, she could sue... Well, she can't sue because adjuncts have no, they, they have no right. She's just told to finish out the semester and, and goodbye to you. But even, if, even though she followed the rules, yeah. she followed the rules, she mm-hmm. played by their book, and still they, still. they screwed her over. Right? Is that it's, really a, it's a mob. That be associated with? It's a complete w- mob. Now, university officials and administrators who are, in my book, weasels, scared people who have no character and no principle, they all declined interviews. Why? Because you know you're wrong. That's why. But Dr. Miller, the school's president, defended the decision in a statement to look upon an image of the Prophet Muhammad for many Muslims is against their faith. A wonderful statement said with the wrong impetus. 
There is, we have uh, in Islam the concept of kalimatu haq urida bihi batil. There is the correct statement, okay, but in the wrong context. In the wrong context. Like, for example, if I go in and, and I start charging the jizya to my neighbors here, to the tenants, and I said, you are now in a Muslim home, right? So you're in a Muslim property, and from here on, you are going to pay me $750 a year as a jizya tax. Then the state arrests me, right, for this mistreating the tenants. And I say, no, the sharia has to be defended, right? We should uphold the sharia. No, that's a correct statement in a wrong place. So, wonderful. I'm glad he said this. I'm happy he said that. But the whole impetus of the thing is, to me, is wrong. It was important that our Muslim students as well as other students feel safe. Now, don't use this language. Please, please do not use this language, right? (laughs) Do not use this language. Safe, supported, respected. Why don't we give them hugs and hold them like this at lunchtime so they can nap, right? Oh, my goodness. The coddling of this generation is so ridiculous. They really should go spend a, a semester in Europe where they could care less how you feel about your Islam, right? They will, uh, I mean, this is good, but the whole ethos behind it, I'm against, right? I'm, I'm against this whole ethos. Yeah. In a December interview with the school paper, the student who complained to the administration, Aram Wadatallah. Iram? No, Aram. Iram Adatin Imad? Which, what is this? It described being blindsided by the image. Because you didn't read. Because you didn't read. She told you in the syllabus. I'm like, this can't be real. What do you mean this can't be real? Don't you, don't you, have you, what world are you living in? This can't be real. Have you seen things, number one, 10 times worse? If you know anything about Islamic images, Islamic art and architecture, it's all over the place. I mean, it's haram, but it's all over the place. She says she's Sudanese. As a Muslim and a black person, I don't feel like I belong. I don't feel, I don't think I'll ever belong in a community. Uh, this language, I cannot stand this language. I can't stand this, this, the negativity of this, that this generation has been taught to be so negative about everything. Just everything must be viewed from a lens, put this lens on, it's called the lens of negativity. I don't belong. I don't feel safe. I don't this. You're going to create that. Because you keep speaking about that. Okay. I don't think I'll ever belong in a community where they don't value me as a member and show me the respect. Wait a second. She showed you respect. She told you in advance. Come talk to me if you have an issue with this. You Did you talk to her? Todd Green, who has written books about Islamophobia, said the conflict at Hamline was tragic because administrators pitted natural allies those concerned about stereotypes of Muslims and Islam against one another. The administration, he said, closed down conversation when they should have opened it up. The painting shown in Dr. Lopez's class is in, you know, it's so terrible when people go around authority. And our religion says, go through the homes, through their, go enter homes through their doors. I would say, oh, I'm, an, I'm a dean. Okay, wait a second. Did you talk to the professor? Uh, there was an amazing uh, Joe Torrey, one of the best managers, at least for the Yankees, right? 
one of the reasons he succeeded, he, he cleaned out this nonsense wherever he went, right? This backdoor nonsense. So he goes one time to a pitcher who's not pitching that well. And he's like, what's going on? And you know when they do it, they, they walk to the mound and talk to the pitcher, right? He walks to the mound and he talks to the pitcher and the pitcher goes, oh man, this catcher. Talking about the catcher. He's like, the calls he's making, this guy's it's hor- he's horrible, he's terrible. He said, oh, okay. Catcher, come. Say what you just said. No, 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 everything's good. Everything's fine. Okay, so what you did, you take out all this weaseliness. That's what it is. It's weaseliness. Going behind. Hey, you're coming to me, the dean? Did you talk to your professor? Did you talk to the chair, head of the department? What are you coming to the dean for, right? Go and look your professor in the eye and talk. If you don't know how to talk, we'll teach you how to talk, right? All right, the painting is in an early Islamic illustration history called the Compendium of Chronicles, written by Rashid ad-Din, written during the 14th century by Rashid ad-Din. Okay, that's his first name. Where's his last name? Uh, it, from 12, he lived from 1247 to 1318. Hey, right, could you pull him up? He's got, let's see who, who he is. Shown regularly in art classes, the painting shows a winged and crowned angel Jibreel, Look up the guy, not the painting. Maybe it is, yeah. But it shows a winged and crowned angel Gabriel pointing at the prophet, delivering to him the first Quranic revelation. This is this is from the era where the angels look Mongol. Everyone is Mongol, right? Because those are the that's the dominant image at the time. If you look at all those paintings, everyone looks like a Mongol, right? What's his name? Rashid Din what? Yeah, get his biography. Just curious. The image is a masterpiece of Persian manuscript painting, says a professor of Islamic art at Umich. It is housed, this painting is housed at the University of Edinburgh. Similar paintings are on display at the Met. And a sculpture of the Prophet is at the Supreme Court. Right? Dr. Gruber said that showing Islamic art depict and depictions of the Prophet Muhammad have become more common in academia because of a push to decolonize the canon, that is, expand curriculum beyond a Western model. Dr. Gruber, who. Hamadani, Yani Shia. But let's read it anyway. Just tell us. He's a statesman, a historian, a physicist of the Ilkhanid Empire of Iran. He was born into a Persian Jewish family from Iran. He converted to Islam at the age of 30 uh, with the Ilkhan Ghazan. Later, he commissioned by his king to write Jama'at Tawarikh. All right, so he, this is part of the Mongol Empire. Whatever, the guy just looks like he's a courtier. Keep going. Uh, what does it say? After being charged with poisoning the king... He was executed. He's a complete political guy, right? He has nothing to do with uh, anything. He's a public author. He's a prolific author. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Okay, biography, significance. They don't even tell us anything about his theological. He's not theological. The guy's a complete, you know, a political guy, right? He's a Muslim. He's a political guy, right? There's nothing much there. It's not like he's trying to make a point. And he, 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 apparently he had some painter paint that in his book. In the Islamic world, it's not like you had religious people walking around. You had 
regular guys, right? Not to say that that's okay, but you had in the Islamic world people just that were not religious people, but were Muslim and they loved Islam and they loved you know their their country. So Dr. Gruber wrote this essay in New Line magazine defending Dr. Lopez, and he said that studying Islamic art without compendium, without the compendium of chronicles, would be like not teaching Michelangelo's David. Okay. Oh, Christian Guber, sorry, not Christian. Yet most Muslims believe that visual representation of Muhammad should not be viewed, even if the Quran does not explicitly prohibit them. The prohibition stems from the belief that an image of the Prophet Muhammad could lead to worshipping the Prophet rather than God, the God he served. I don't know if that's what it is. It's because you could never do justice to it. That's really more of the reason, and maybe some of that other one, that it would lead eventually to uh, iconic, uh, you know, the... Um, icons, etc. There are, however, a range of beliefs. Some Muslims distinguish between respectful depictions and mocking caricatures, while others do not subscribe to the restriction at all. I do differ between respectful images and mocking caricatures in how I would treat that person, right? How I would treat this person. They're two, they cannot be even. They're not the same. One deserves whatever they get. Literally, whatever they get. The other one deserves to be told in a, in a decent way, right? That it's not right. Omid Safi, a professor of Asian and Middle Eastern studies at Duke, said he regularly shows the image of the Prophet in class without Dr. Lopez Prater's opt-out mechanisms. He explains to his student these images were works of devotion created by pious artists at the behest of devout rulers. That's the part I want my students to grapple with, Dr. Safi said. How does something that comes from the very middle of the tradition end up being received later on as something marginal or forbidden? Well, because the middle of the tradition is not where the law is made, right? The law is established well earlier, and people in the middle of the tradition can do things that are wrong, right? So... Uh, first thing is that just because something respectful does not mean it's halal. Just because something is done with a good intention does not mean it's halal. The good intention is needed for acceptability by, from, from, from Allah. But also, you gotta, we follow the book. We go by the book. If the book says it's, uh, it, something is forbidden, your intention does not change that. Oh, but he had a good intention. Okay, maybe that means he'll get forgiveness faster. Right? That's what we say. When he gets, he can get forgiveness faster if you have a good intention, but doesn't make it lawful. Your intent has literally nothing to do with what is right and what is wrong in Islam. Okay, it does have to, to do with the weight of your mistake. You it, it unintentionally killed someone, you're still paying dia. Murder is still it's still killing. It's haram, but you're paying dia. From an academic perspective, by the way. Yeah. Kind of hit two ideas against each other. Yeah. Show some apparent contradiction. To say, exactly. Oh, so challenge you. Try to, you know, to make these two ideas work together. To try to show that the fuqaha, well, they may not know what they're doing. Exactly. Or they're just speculative, or they're just reactionary, or something like that. When you read that biography, you realize he's not like an Islamic scholar. Yeah. He's just a random dude that was assigned to put a bunch of paintings together. Exactly. Exactly. There's no theological statements here. Yeah. He wanted to. I'm sure he sold these books, right? He's selling the books. The nicer the artwork in it, and at that time they were all doing this, right? 
at that time also their aqidah was far messed up, right? Far worse. So when you were saying like, how could something in the middle of the tradition be later on viewed as haram? The entire ilkhanate, I think the whole thing where they were Shi'is, right? So forget just uh, an, an author of a book. Yeah. And a shav and a complete heresy could become the rule of a monarchy, right? And become the rule of a whole country. We we accept that. Yeah. At that time, the the Sunni world was taken over for a while by Mu'tazili leaders. Okay. Now, Dr. Lopez is a self-described art nerd. She said she knew about the potential for conflict on October 6th when she began her online lecture. It's online, too. On top of that, you're not even cornered in a classroom. This thing is getting worse. The student is not even cornered in a classroom. It's an online class. Man, are you kidding? Seriously, log off for two seconds. Go back to looking at your phone, you know? I guarantee you're not even looking in the first place. She said she spent a few minutes explaining why she was showing the image, how different religions have depicted the divine, and how standards changed over time, blah, blah, blah. I do not want to present the art of Islam as something that is monolithic. Okay, She said in an interview, adding that she had been shown the image as a grad student. She also showed a second image from the 16th century that depicted the prophet covered in a veil, with a veil. Dr. Lopez Prater said that no one in class raised concern. There was no disrespectful commentary. After the class ended... Miss Wedatullah, a business major and president of the university's MSA, stuck around to voice her discomfort. After the class. Okay, fine. Good. After the class is over. But wait a second. She gave you a chance to do this before class. Way before. Immediately afterwards, Dr. Lopez sent an email to her department, Allison Baker, about the encounter. She thought Miss Wedatullah might complain. Miss Baker the chair of the digital and studio art department responded to the email minutes later. It sounded like you did everything right. I believe in academic freedom, so you have my support. Okay. As Dr. Lopez predicted, Ms. Wedatella reached out to the administrators. Dr. Lopez, with Ms. Baker's help, wrote an apology. Now, here's the thing. You're spineless. Stick to the rules that you did, that you had. I gave you a chance to leave. I gave you a chance to leave. Why are we apologizing here? Okay. Not apologizing doesn't mean you have to be mean. It doesn't mean you have to be disrespectful. But you could not, uh, you don't have to, don't apologize for something you didn't do wrong. You can be really nice, but not apologize at the same time. Firmness and... uh... Thank you. Firmness and, and meanness and disrespect are not coupled together. They're separate things. They wrote an apology. They explained that sometimes diversity involves bringing contradicting, uncomfortable, and coexisting truths into conversation with each other. Ms. Watatella declined an interview request. Why did you decline? Right? If you're the hero of the story. Yeah, she's a Muslim. She's a youth. Youth can make maybe make a mistake, maybe get whatever. But... And she did not explain why she had not raised concerns before the image was shown. That's why you can't give an interview. Right? You can't give an interview because that's the first question going to be given. Right? But in an email statement, she said, image of the Prophet Muhammad should never be displayed. I agree with you 100%. I agree with the sister 100%. Right? 
and I'm sure she's coming with the right intention and everything, but the way that this went about and the way that you're dealing with someone who tried to respect you and you end up getting them fired. And that Dr. Uh, Lopez gave a trigger warning precisely because she knew such images were offensive to many Muslims. The lecture was so disturbing that she could no longer see herself in that course. Four days after class, Miss Lopez, Dr. Lopez was summoned to a video meeting with the dean, Marcella Costahova. Dr. Costahova compared showing the image to using a racial epithet for black people. Some images, I would say, is similar to that. This image, it was very clear to me that she had not talked to any art historians. A couple of weeks later, the university rescinded its offer to teach next semester. Dr. Lopez said she was ready to move on. She had teaching jobs at other schools. But on November 7th, she's going to be invited to all the you know, anti-Islamic conferences, so she'll have a living for herself. She had teaching jobs at other schools, she said. But on November 7, David Everett, the Vice President for Inclusive Excellence, said an e- sent an email to all university employees saying that certain actions taken in an online class were undeniably inconsiderate, disrespectful, and Islamophobic. I really feel that although those words are nice, it's more driven from the fear of the mob. Because remember, Muslims, as long as we're in, in America, we get the minority tag. Islam in a Muslim country, is draconian, it's anti-freedom, it's whatever, right? You always have to look at it that way. It's not about you being Muslim, it's about you being a minority. That's the truth of the matter. As long as you're in the minority, you'll get the sympathy and you'll be treated with these gloves. But as soon as you're the majority, you're treated as repressive, backward, etc. The administration... After meeting with the school's Muslim Student Association would host an open forum on the subject of Islamophobia. Dr. Lopez, who had only begun teaching at Hamline in the fall, said she felt like a bucket of ice water had been dumped over her head, but the shock soon gave way to blistering anger at being characterized in those terms by somebody who I have never even met or spoken with. How fair is that? How unfair is that? Right? Like you never even talked to the, no one talked to this woman, to the teacher. Yet you're going to go and do this to her. You're going to get a reaction. The Quran warns us. Be mindful of how you respond. Don't create something worse, right? Don't create something bad. Don't create an enemy when you don't need. This person is permanently traumatized by Islam now and by Muslims. That's how, she's really right to say this, right? blistering anger at being characterized in those terms by someone I'd never even met. You had one online conversation after class, after she had invited you to talk. Now, for the Muslim sister, Yanni, you're responsible for this. Fortunately, I hate to say that, but... She reached out to Dr. Gruber, who ended up writing the essay and starting the petition. Yeah, now all the artists are going to get together Right, and it may end up being something far worse. All right, let's let's take a look at what else is going on here. The forum turns emotional, really. So there's more at the December eight forum, which was attended by several dozen students, faculty, and administrators. Miss Wedatullah described through tears how she felt seeing the image. 
Well, I'm sort of glad that her fitra is that way, right? That's that's wonderful. Like I'm saying, yeah, she's the Muslim. We unsur akhak zaliman al madluman. The Prophet said, "You support your Muslim brother in the right and in the wrong. In the right, we know how to support them. When they're in the wrong, is by by lovingly correcting them or advising them. And and it might have sounded harsh what I said before, but now that they bring a human to it and it's uh, uh, you know a Muslim that okay, I would still say you did wrong to this sister." To this, I mean, to this woman, you did wrong to this professor. Uh, the the fitri response is wonderful. The fact that you cannot see the Prophet in an image like that and you want him honored, you will get rewarded for that, right? But you also got to do things right. Who do I call at eight a.m.? She asks. When you see someone disrespecting and offending your religion. Okay. Other Muslim students on the panel, all black women, also spoke tearfully about struggling to fit in at Hamline. Students of color in recent years had prote- protested what they called racist incidents. The university, they said, paid lip service to diversity and did not support students with institutional resources. The main speaker was Jailani Hussein. Beautiful name. Is he holding Sibha? Does he have a turban on? With that name, right? Abdul <laughs> Qadir Jailani Hussein. The executive director at CARE. Muslim Civil Rights Group. This guy should start a tariqa, right? <laughs> Jilani Hussein, he says that the instructor's action, he said, hurt Muslim students and students of color and had absolutely no benefit. I don't see where color is involved in this. Color is a separate issue. It may be an issue, but you can be an Albanian Muslim and still be offended, right? If this institution wants to value these students, he added, it cannot have incidents like this happen. I have trouble with the characterization of this. The the intent and the stuff, I have trouble with this incident when this is something that could have actually been avoided if we went about things the right way. And it was not like someone's trying to offend you. Uh, if somebody wants to teach some controversial stuff about Islam, go teach it at the local library. But wait a second. It's a secular school though, right? And she, she told you. Anyway, let's keep going. Mark Berkson, or, wait, why would the local library be fair? <laughs> it's the- Wait, we all pay for that, right? That's that's worse because our tax money goes there, right? I'm sure he's just using it as an expression, but that makes less sense because that's the public. This is a private school. It would seem that you could say whatever you want in private more so than in public. Anyway, I'm sure he didn't, yeah, he's just saying that. But Mark Berkson, a religion professor at Hamline, raised his hand. When you say trust Muslims on Islamophobia, Dr. Berkson asked, what does one do when the Islamic community itself is divided on an issue? Thank you very much. The painting was made by a Muslim from their perspective, right? Heretical, orthodox, they could care less, a Muslim. Because there are many Muslim scholars and experts and art historians who do not believe that this was Islamophobic. Mr. Hussein responded that there were marginal and extremist voices on any issue. You can teach a whole class about why Hitler was good, Mr. Hussein said. Why are you bringing Hitler with the name of the prophets? I said, I don't get these people. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Care, whatever. Jailani Hussein, okay? Uh, should never utter the word Hitler in a conversation about Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. You are a public... Yani, media is your job. That's care, right? Media. They use the media to get their way sometimes. They use the courts to get their way sometimes. There are persuasive techniques. 
go-to argument. It should never. It's the go-to argument. You know you have nothing yes, to say. Yes, that's it. <laughs> that is it. You know, it's, what if, yes. It's just like. Oh, Hitler. my gosh. <laughs> that it, It's a thing on the internet that as soon as the word Hitler is mentioned, the conversation is done with. Right? During the. Uh, say the Virgin Mary. Say Mother Teresa. Right? Say someone could come up with controversial things. About, say something that has a decent association in the eyes of people. During the exchange, Mr. Baker, the department head, and Dr. Everett, the administrator, separately walked up to the religion professor, put their hands on his shoulder, and said, this was not the time to raise these concerns. They shut him down. His bosses. But Dr. Bergson, who said he strongly supported campus diversity, said he felt compelled to speak up you see how we're in such awkward times where on the on the on the issue of process i'm with that side on the issue of the content of course i'm with the muslim side right but in in terms of process and you set some standards for yourself as a secular university you set some rules right you followed them right and none of the muslims took the avenues you gave them to differ so on the issue of process, I'm with them. And also, Yanni, we Muslims, we don't just cut necks all the time. Even me, I'm the biggest supporter of cutting necks. A lot of necks should be cut, right? But cutting necks in the wrong place is not right. And when I say cutting necks, I mean that hyperbolically, right? Meaning drawing the line in the sand and shutting down people who are making fun of you. But when it's, a, when the hammer goes down on the wrong person, I feel bad, right? I feel like this is wrong. This is wrong. Thank you. Thank you. There needs to be adil in the means as well, as nobility in the end. The end may be noble, the means also must be noble. And this, to me, I don't felt, I felt is, is lulm. We were being asked to accept, I mean, the part where, where she's sacked like that and humiliated is lulm. The end result of getting the university to not show these images is wonderful, right? But that she was a victim that I think worse is going to come because of this. Like, it's going to spark a movement against the Prophet, and we're, we are warned to take that into consideration. Not just you just go in with your cannons no matter what happens. No. Yeah. Vigil- mm-hmm. Vigilantes aren't accepted because the sebab that they take mm-hmm. is- there's no adil in there. Correct. Right? There's a reason we have established procedures. We yeah. follow the procedures. Even though they might have a good end in the vigilantism. Yeah. Like they might take down some oppressive rulers. Yep. But it's still not permissible. And, and every good end of a vigilante is a temporary end. It's never going to be like that. It's, there's always going to be a, a response. Right? Because if, it, if, if you could arrive at a wonderful end and be consistent upon that and have barakah fly, flow from that, that would negate that it's vigilantism. Right, baraka and the long-term benefit is only going to grow when the mean, when the means are also pure and and just. And I still stand by the idea that Dr. Lopez here was was uh, mistreated. We were being asked to accept without questioning that what our colleague did, teaching Islamic art masterpiece in a class on art history after having multiple warnings, was somehow equivalent to mosque vandalism and violence against Muslims and hate speech. This is what I could not stand, and I agree with him. It's not hate speech. It's wrong, it disrespects Muslims, but 
the intent of the person we have to take it into account. It w- I, I agree with him on process on other things. This is another issue with the Muslim. Everything is equated to the most extreme form possible. Yeah. And there's no like shades of gray that exist in between. Mm-hmm. Meaning that you do this, you're just like supporting Hitler. Yeah. Doing this is just like... Yeah, like, exactly. Like, How? This is just like committing you're, genocide, you know? You're minimizing that. You're minimizing that. Exactly, exactly. And I would say, hold on a second, you're not powerful enough to be like Hitler, right? You you cannot offend us in the same way, you know? SubhanAllah. In interviews, several Islamic art scholars took issue with the idea that Dr. Lopez intended to disrespect the Prophet and said that it was nothing like the cartoons in Charlie Hebdo, the French satirical magazine that had reprinted mocking cartoons of the Prophet. That led to the deadly 2015 attack at the magazine's office, which scholars also denounced. Edward Mitchell, the deputy executive director of the National Chapter of CARE. National Chapter? How does that make sense? Wouldn't the national be national headquarters? Right? The national would be the main thing and the chapter would be the local ones. Anyway, said that he did not have enough information to comment on the Hamline dispute. But while his group discourages visual depictions of the prophet, he said that there was a difference between an act that was un-Islamic and one that was un-Islamophobic. That's a nice way to put it. That is a good way to put it. What's going on in the chat? Anything? Marriage conversation. Allah bless you guys. We want to try to get these people married. Okay, I, I really like this. So... Good quote from Ed Mitchell. Brother Ed Mitchell, by the way. Uh, Un-Islamic versus Islamophobic. If you drink a beer in front of me, you're doing something that is un-Islamic, but not Islamophobic. Thank you, right? That's what we said. You join a culinary art school, they cook pork and wine. Don't say to them they're trying to offend you. No, you signed up for a secular French culinary art school, right? Now, if you drink beer in front of me, deliberately because you're trying to offend me well maybe that's a different matter thank you it's a matter of intent you come from the mosque and you get 10 guys let's all just drink beer and eat pork firstly that doesn't bother me number one you're not you can't offend me with that number number one but number two your intent is to offend me it's very different than this guy walking down the road and he's drinking a beer it's like ryan's professor yeah that's an intent to disrespect okay intent and circumstances matter he said especially in a university setting where academic freedom is critical and professors often address sensitive and controversial topics. So this guy, he hit the nail on the head. Intent is what matters. It's, I like to hear people saying the same stuff that we're saying because that shows that on a matter of opinion, your opinion has weight. If you have an opinion on a matter of opinion and your opinion is way off and no one else shares that opinion, chances are you're not the genius. You're probably wrong about some of the facts or your line of thinking is incorrect. Because the number of geniuses in the world who are going to arrive at the right opinion on a speculative matter um, to the exclusion of everyone else, right, is um, very uh, slim. Dr. Safi, the Duke professor, said Hamline had effectively taken sides in a debate among Muslims. Well, they took the wrong, the right side, technically. Students don't have to give up their values, he said, he added. But some part of the educational process does call for stepping beyond each one of our vantage points, enough to know that none of us have the monopoly on the truth. Okay, so this is relativism in Islam. Dr. Omid Safi is a relativist within Islam. Like, everything goes. Okay. 
as long as you have a good heart, that's like, the, I get his usul to be that. As long as you have a good heart, you're devoted, everything goes. And I think that's the problem. Of course, he doesn't go by the fiqh. He's saying that within the secular environment. I don't think he would say the same thing if you had an Islamic university. Like within Zaytuna, I hope they're not displaying pictures of Rasulullah Like I think everyone would take pictures of that. I hope... It exists within the secular paradigm of multiculturalism. Yeah. You kind of have to deal with it. Of course, in that in, in that respect, but I would assume and and uh, that a college like Zaytuna, you can't just be a Muslim college. What Muslim, What Islam? Ahl Sunnah wal Jamaa, the four schools, um, Qadianism. Like, where do you draw the line? Are you drawing the line on Qadianism? Well, why not draw it on Shiism then? Why not draw it on um, Alevism, Syrian? Syrian and Turkish Alevites, who we also hold their beliefs necessitate kufr. Like, where do you draw the line? So you're going to draw the line on the qat'iyat that are mutawatir. Why not draw them on the qat'iyat that are not mutawatir, that are just ahad, right? But they're still qat'iyat. That's the line of kufr and the line of bid'ah. Like, where do you draw the lines? you got to draw lines. So the point being, you draw your lines where you draw them, but the process should be just explain to everyone where are the lines right and then people should respect that liberals included dr safi has his own personal image of the prophet as i said he his school of thought is that as long as it's devotional and good intentioned then it's fine right and good so but we say that that's a heretical view okay that no that's not that's not the line the line is the language of the quran and the hadith as understood by what the Arabs meant by those words. That's common sense. What is Islam? Islam is what God and his prophet said is Islam. Okay, well, we're going to use the words, the words that they uttered in the hadith and, and that's written in the Quran. Okay, well, who's the arbiter of those, what the meanings of those words are? The Arabs at that time and before, not afterwards. So there was no redefining of language. It's very... Uh, it's a fair way to determine what a religion is. The religion defines itself with its own primary sources, and the language must be defined by that period of time or before, not afterwards. We're not going to come and change the definitions. No one has the right to define khimar later on. You define it beforehand. So that's why pre-Islamic poetry is very important. And the understanding of the Sahaba, that generation. Okay. And then you could say up to 100 years when the last Sahabi died. That's how we define it. Now, if it's it's going to be either explicit or interpretive. If it's explicit, then there's no way you can go against it. If it's interpretive, then you can have a variety of opinions. That's how simple it is. But those opinions can never contradict an explicit verse or hadith. So he has his own personal image of the Prophet. When he was 14, his family fled to the U.S. from Tehran. During the Iran-Iraq War, he packed an image of Muhammad holding a Qur'an into one of the family's suitcases the image doesn't make any sense because the quran was not bound in a book in the time of the prophet in the first place that's another story but this image now hangs on his wall at home all right so that's his opinion on things which we will disagree with completely uh from an internally as muslims we will say no that's that's not the way we define islam is not by whatever is done nicely and with a good feeling and a good uh, intent, does not make it right. Right. 
All right, so the comments here are pretty much in line with what we're saying here. Like, they really did not like the way this went down. Okay. See, once again, it's religion that entangles our society and causes division and trauma. See, this is the type of, this is the type of reaction. Whereas, if this was a disrespectful image with clear intent to disrespect, and then someone did something bad to this person, people would view it differently. I'm so dismayed. Okay? All these comments. So, there we go. That is our session. Let's go to open Q&A. If you want to stick to this topic, you can, uh, preferably, but if you need to discuss something else, um. Yeah, there's a really great story that's coming to my mind right now. Yeah, go ahead. It's about this, uh, there was this, uh, I think, uh, woman from, I may be remembering this wrong, but one of the, yeah. uh, I think it was Tajikistan or Kyrgyzstan, one of these places, they're, they're like Muslim, Kanani by name, but in this country, there are a lot of like secular ideologies, which probably is influenced from uh, Russia's mm-hmm. uh, communism and whatnot. But Within this country, uh, it's it's illegal for a woman to wear hijab inside public buildings. In that country. In this country, right? Uh, but it's it's a Muslim country. Yani, there are these ideologies that are seeping in. Uh, yeah. Transform things. Uh, so I, there's a, this was a blog that was written by a Muslim uh, woman. And she was writing how she met this lady mm-hmm. uh, in, in like a park and. She was with the playground. She asked this lady, like, don't you ever want to go back home? Like, things like, kind of suck in the U.S. Mm. You know, like, we have all this Islamophobia, and people look at you weird when you wear a hijab, and, you know, you get side stares and side glances and, and comments and all this. Like, wouldn't you just rather go back to your home country? Mm-hmm. I believe she was from Tajikistan, and she said, are you kidding me? This place is incredible. Yeah. Even though I may be getting these looks and these comments, I'm still able to wear my hijab wherever I go. SubhanAllah. That's why when, when I say something like, oh, you don't like this, go to France, see what life is like. It's not to say that that, that, that makes the situation right, but it makes it the best of your alternatives. Like, yeah, yeah. you have to understand that relativity like that, is, that's what we have to deal with. Would you rather be a Muslim here or in Egypt? If you want to talk, you better be here. You can't give talks like this and live in Saudi. They'll shut you down. By the way, when I was there, one brother, he, he lives in Saudi. He did a, a stream with me months ago. He told me, by the way, I was called by someone who said, by the way, I have uh, an in with some of the security that take that, that episode you did with me, right? They're watching and they're telling him, warning him, right, about different episodes that he did. You don't have anything like this happen here. It's totally perspective and it's totally, it's simply the issue of, uh, it's not, it doesn't mean something is right just because you need to be thankful for it. But it means that, trust me, out there in the world is far, far worse. Okay. And yeah, as we said, the end result is something we are happy to see that they're not going to show it. But the way we got there to me is wrong and will cause worse problems later on. It will cause something worse in my opinion. All right, let's go to the question. Mashhud, 
Can you please update the MBF recordings to the Scene Society podcasts? Yes. Um, hey, right. Can you see what, what's going on with that? They're not on. I think we have to put them onto SoundCloud. Audio files on SoundCloud. Can you see how we, we, how we do it? How can we define, says Sophia, or apply diversity and inclusion as Muslims following the Sharia? It all depends on every contract that we're in, right? It all depends on the contract that we're engaged in. That's all that, that we're talking about. It's all about the contract. So every single contract is going to be different, some of which do not require us to ask about people's faith and religion, such as a tenant. If I have a tenant in the Sharia, I'm not required to ask the details of how they plan on living. But if I run a masjid, I do have to check who, what docket of my speaker, right? Like that. Chocolate Walla says, Chocolate Walla here is an Interstellar fan with an Interstellar um, icon there, thumbnail, whatever you call it. What do you call it? Profile pic. You had said we can take technical dini knowledge from a teacher that had their private sins exposed. Does that extend to the knowledge of Quranic knowledge and tafsir? Yes, insofar as it is technical, meaning that it's something that can be objectively shown, such as aqidah and fiqh. Right? Usul. Tafsir can be that, and tafsir can sometimes be what's called tafsir ishari, which is which is about um, uh, spiritual insights. So spiritual insights is one thing, but when it's something like technical tafsir related to a hadith and um, language, that can be taken even if the person had their sins exposed. Is it okay to read Ibn Khaldun's books? Yes. Kevin Bacon says, how should we treat learning in Islamic Western, in Western Islamic institutions? I really would have to see, to be honest with you, what they're saying. And I'm not like some kind of judge, but I would, that's the method would be to see what each individual college has put there as their st starting point. Are they saying that they're just Muslim and leaving it open? Are they saying if this is Ahl Sunnah? To me, that's important, right? I need to know where, what I'm going to be learning here. What's the best way to seek protection from a real and oncoming human threat is to recite Hasbunallah wa Na'mal Wakil many, 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 many times. Can we read Shams al Ma'arif? No, you cannot even own it. It's haram to own. You have to burn it. Why? Because it has in it the means by which you can contact evil uh, uh, jinn. Can you tell me how one of my elders uses all different calendar times within the four madhabs to read salah? I ask them, they say, this is my personal amal. So fajr, how, Yani? I don't understand. They use all different calendar times within the four madhabs to read their salah, to pray. Yani. 
like Hanafi Asr when he wants to, Hanafi Dhuhr when he wants to, like that. It's not the right way to do things. It's Tashahi. The right way to do things is to find a methodology and to live by that methodology. Okay? That's the right way to do things. I was washing the toilet, says Australia 21, and some of the water splashed on my clothes while the toilet water in Australia goes down the opposite way, right? Because they're from the south. There was no visible filth in the water. Do I still have to change out of them? No. Najasa must be something that you can see. If you cannot see it, you're not obligated to suspect it. Huh? Yes, or smell it, right? Or taste it. <laughs> no. no, don't taste it. Okay. But no, you don't have to. It's We don't assume najasa just by suspicion. But if you have a doubt such that there was najasa in the toilet at the same time, then you would have to, you don't have to take your clothes off either. You just have to run water on that part of the clothes that you think got najasa on it, and that's enough. Um MJ says, "Are these session live saved? Yes, they're, they're all saved on YouTube, and they should be on SoundCloud and Spotify, and on iTunes. And but apparently we had a delay in that, right? So we're 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 uploading all of them." Can I listen to a Qari, says Ishaq, using my headphones while reciting Qur'an in my salah to help me with tajweed? La. No. Sophia says, how do you explain to a layman that salamis are not like the f- four madhabs to follow? Yeah. Um, you can s- explain that simply by asking them, uh, how old they are and how many checks they went through. You see, the beauty of the madhabs, they have been checked time after time after time for centuries. They have been checked. Right, you have to manually do this? Yeah, once it's, a, once it's an MP3. Oh, that's why. No, it won't read that. I don't know how. Open, open it up and make it an MP3. Tell them, okay, go. Uh, Sophia is saying, I did that. They don't get it. You say, okay, go and follow that path. Let's talk in 10 years. I don't like resistance, to be honest with you. If you have, if you know what you're doing, you don't never need to do resistance, right? You never need to resist. Just, all right, go do it. Someone says, hey, was Malik and Abu Hanifa, what did they do? They read the Quran, they read the Hadith, they came with the conclusion. So why can't they do the same thing? Same thing. Go do it. Get yourself some followers. See what happens. Okay. What's a good place to learn Arabic online? Hey, what's the uh, school that you guys go to? Studio Arabia? What's it called? Preply. Preply or Studio Arabia? Anza Jama'a says, what's the best way to show gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Well, uh, quite simply, gratitude to Allah has a couple of uh, conditions. Okay. Next, first condition is that you do not use, you, you recognize that the ni'mah is from Allah ta'ala and you thank Him. 
thank him, okay? With your mouth, in your heart. That's the first thing. Recognizing where the ni'mah came from and that it's not from you. See, we say in our religion that evil comes from us, but good comes from Allah. Why is that? Because the good that you do, you get rewarded for it. Okay? You will get rewarded for it. But there is a chain that led you to that good. Where did that chain come from? All gifts from Allah. So you have to be thankful for Allah. Evil, Allah warned you against it, told you not to do it, yet you still did it. So evil, we attribute to ourselves. Good, we attribute to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the sick heart does the opposite. Attributes all good to himself, it becomes arrogant, and when something bad happens, where is God's mercy? What does God have to do with it, right? So number one is you thank Allah ta'ala in your heart and your tongue. Number two, you do not use it in the haram. That's fard. You use it only in the halal. Now the nafl, the extra, is to use it to help others. That is shukr and hamd. And that's what being grateful for your blessings is. Tahir Omar says, One Moroccan lady broke her leg, ended in hospital, had surgery. Alhamdulillah, one nurse accepted Islam by seeing her. Yes, because a lot of people, their reaction to suffering reflects their iman. Right? And people are like, wow, this is something else. Okay? Mini Star's mom is involved now in the live stream. What's her name? Um, Macro Star? There's a mini has to have the major, right? Sophia says, I told her, look at how they treat the Prophet ﷺ. She said, look at this group of people who don't follow Madhabs. Said, look how they treat the Prophet. That's true. They're not they don't have near that respect. Okay. Huh? Yeah. You know, of course, like the Hadithin always have a very close relationship to the Quran. Of course, yeah. It's known that, you know, Hadithin, especially at a very high level, like if you're Shaykh or Hadithin, that most definitely speaks about the Subhanallah, they do. Every day they're saying Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam many times. And and caring about his words and passing it on, protecting it. Yeah. Yeah. Subhanallah. Proof's in the pudding because the messenger does not uh, increase the uh, value or the sawad of someone if their aqid is wrong. Which is what Turquoise is asking can we pray behind a Wahhabi if he has explicit statements of tajseem? Then the answer is that explicit. We don't assume it. Explicit statement of tajseem. Uh, and there are many, right? There are many. For example, uh, one of them has that Allah has a shadow. Why? Because Allah says seven are in the shade of Allah on the day that there is no shade but His shade. Meaning, His the sun is above Him, and there's a shadow being cast from God. Really? That does not even what the language means. It means he created that shade and he owns it. Subhi, keep me in your dua if you could. I've been sick. And he's in the hospital. Poor Subhi's in the hospital. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give him a shifa as well as for Triple H. Uh, May Allah give Subhi a shifa. 
أصبحنا وأصبح الملك لله والحمد لله رب العالمين. أم أم جي says what is طريقة who is eligible طريقة is just like it's a spiritual path and just I just said that about Jalani Hussein because the people of طريقة tend to love Abdul Qadir Jalani and Sayyidina Imam Hussein so his name had that. Khala uh, White, I just came back from vacation. Has time been changed? Yes, we're now at one to three. We go from one to three p.m. Reed says, "Why didn't you study at a Sharia college like University of Medina?" Um, I was actually had signed up and was accepted at Mecca's Umm Al Qura University, and they said, "Go take the two years language class, two years language uh, course." In Medina, this was 1998. Okay, so my dad goes checks it out. I went to Morocco, right? Um, my dad said, "Oh, I'll, while you're there, I'll go to Medina check it out." He checks it out, and he comes upon some of these. You know, they might get offended, but some of the Wahhabi kids. And he was like, just from a fitra perspective, oh, what is this? My son's not going to last with these people, right? <laughs> these people are too much. They're too much. Oh, they're too much, man. Some of these, they were they were too much. So he, uh, I didn't know what a Wahhabi was, what a Maliki was. I didn't know anything, right? That's why I love that age, because that age to me was such a, a moving, that phase of Islam, when you're just coming and just figuring things out, right? So... At that time, there weren't a lot of Islamic institutions. There was that one. And it was like, no, nah, we're not going to do that. Morocco, Egyptians don't send their kids to Morocco. <laughs> right? They don't. And then Syria, people had warned us, no, don't go to Syria. So my parents were like, okay, we won't go to Syria. It, it just wasn't something that you could learn a lot about. They, um, if you didn't have a connection, right, you only you can only learn what you knew what you had connections for. So it's not like today where I can go to internet, I can even contact these people on WhatsApp, and it's a lot. But uh, what's yeah, as the Arabs call it, what's. <laughs> um, it wasn't really like that, right? So um, I ended up having just to study privately with people. Also, you know what? I would think maybe if I went to an institution that had exams and stuff, it may turn. You know, may make it forced. And when the knowledge is forced, you may not like it. I'm looking for equipment, says AA, for my mosque, like mic and mic stands. I don't know anything about it, to be honest with you. Ishaq says, is there anything beneficial Islamically about working with sick people or in a hospital? Yes, remembrance of death and, and taking the love of dunya from your heart. But I'm sure, though, at some point it becomes monotonous. BT says... British Telecom says, if someone is dying, is it haram to ask Allah to take years off their life and give it to them? No, we, yeah, don't do that. Just ask Allah to cure them. That's it. Don't, yeah. It doesn't have to be like that. Yes, that's true. Yeah, exactly. That sort of gives the impression that uh, is jammed by a predetermined destiny, and Allah is never jammed. Thank you. Yeah. You don't need to say this. Ask may Allah increase his life and may I give him shifa. 
Could you tell us about the white scarf? No, it is not a. It is a sunnah to wear a white scarf according to Madik in Salah or to the Masjid. As Khuduzina to command the Masjid, Madik interpreted as the shawl around your scarf or, or over your shoulder. That's all. It's not anything more than that. And I just happen to be wearing it. That's all. Mm. Okay, everyone. M star is now mini star. Okay, or just mini. Joanna, is the ex-father-in-law still a mahram to the divorce who has children? And the answer is yes, but it is just makruh to reveal your hair in front of them. But they are still mahram. You can never marry them, but and they are mahram, but it's makruh to reveal your, head, your hair in front of them. Why? Because um, the relationship is no longer there. The reason for their mahramiyah is no longer there, but they are still mahram to you. Dr. Idi Nibawa, how do we use the book of du'as named Mukhul Ibadah by the Yemeni scholars of Ba'alawi? I didn't see the book, but I'm assuming that you can just read freely from it. Can you go into it? Mukhul Ibadah. I remember it actually. It's a huge book. I actually do remember it. Ryan's going to pull it up right now. Mukhul Ibadah is a massive uh, du'a book, which, keep going, let's see what the pages look like. It is, seems to me that it's just, yeah, it's a big book, very big book. But it seems to me it's like all different ad'iyah. I need to get that book, actually. Mass Q says, yesterday you mentioned the difference between scholars and laymen is intentions. What does that mean? It means that the most important part of scholarship is to learn how to make a good intention. And what is a good intention, right? A common person may not know that the mundane actions that you do all day, you can transform that into rewardable action. Everything that you could do can be transformed into rewardable action. And that study is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, The true piety, the true awe of Allah is, is in the main majority in the hearts of the scholars. Why? Because he knows the wisdoms behind every action. He knows the great results of different ibadat and how they draw near. And therefore, that knowledge is able allows them to get rewarded for everything that they're doing all the time. Even they're sleeping. Exactly. The inner and outer meaning and wisdom of actions. That's one of the reasons why the scholars get so much reward is because they're able to now make intentions. For example, um, a lot of the scholars, their youth work is nothing special, right? But they're making the intention, I'm at least keeping them away from something that's haram. Barbarossa says, sometimes I cry when I'm praying, what will you say for me for knowing I'm not keeping my prey all the time? If you're not keeping your prayers up all the time, as much as you can, you keep working on that until you pray five times a day. Then, after you pray five times a day for a good period of time, then you can now calculate what you missed and make them up. My heart is heavy. Please make a dua that Allah grants me peace, says Khalil Hamza. Oh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ease your burdens and you know that 
uh, when your heart is heavy, the Prophet ﷺ said the salah upon him is what removes anxiety. So get busy with that and ask Allah to reveal, relieve your heart and also repeat 100 times a day, Rabbi shrahli sadri wa yassirli amri. Rabbi shrahli sadri wa yassirli amri. Ex- Exoya says, is it true you have to be intimate with your husband within two weeks of being married? No, there's no such rule like that. Intimacy is assumed from as soon as you get married. Like, what is the purpose of getting married? Except if a circumstance happens in between, such as a circumstance, like uh, he's out of town, he had to leave or something like that. Maybe she got married in a time where they couldn't be intimate with each other. So there's no such rule of when, but there is a rule that if there is a clause in the contract that says, I will not be intimate with you, that clause is invalid. Let's say a woman says, I want to get married, but I don't want anyone touching my body. So you put that in a clause in a marriage contract, that clause is null and void. The whole purpose of marriage, one of its main purposes is to allow each other to touch and look at each other. So, Aisha Davies, Assalamu alaikum, hope all is well. Yes, alhamdulillah. Shadow kill. Please make dua. My father has passed away recently. Allah Ta'ala give him genitive for the dose without any hisab. Can you tell us about the end of life of Imam Malik? He was sick at the end of his life and he stopped going to the masjid. Right? And then he passed away. When he passed away, he said that you will all be shocked at the mercy of Allah. SubhanAllah. Coming from someone who is known for his strict statements. Dr. Idi says, Why is it that some issues are so controversial across the spectrum of Ahl Sunnah, yet some teachers say there is ijma' about their judgment, like mut'a marriage accepted by some wish? There is no way any Sunni scholar will allow for mut'a marriage. The Prophet forbade it. Okay? Sayyidina Ali informed Sayyidina Ibn Abbas that it was forbidden except that Sayyidina Ibn Abbas did not know it was forbidden. That's why he was young, I guess, well, he was young when it was forbidden. He didn't know it was forbidden, so he was teaching it after the death of the Prophet And his cousin, Sayyidina Ali, is the one who told him, no, the Prophet forbade this. So he said, okay, it's forbidden. Sophia says, we're waiting for pictures on the revamp. okay. It's going to be maybe, hopefully, February. If medicine says these are side effects, is this medicine or is it poison? Well, the the side effect, that's a good question. The side effects better be far less than the the disease, right? Dr. Idis, again, says, what's your recommended way to recite dua? Joshan al-Kabir. I'm not familiar with that. I I know it's in the subcontinent, one of the awrad there, so I can't tell you. Sharif Antoya, when is Hanbali Aqidah coming out? It's pretty much almost ready. He's just, he said, the Sheikh said, I want to send you some more videos. So we're waiting on those. Mass Q. Asking about the different calendars. Um, I really don't know, to be honest with you, how they're using four different calendars. But all I can tell you is that the right way to practice is you pick a methodology. You use your brain that Allah gave you to choose a method, to choose an imam, to choose a madhab that is most worthy of following. And then you follow that to the T, unless there's a hardship. Is it okay to mix awrad from different turuq? 
Yeah, unless you're committed to something, there's no harm in that. But if you're committed to something, you should stick to it. If you're on a road trip and Salah has come in, is it better to do tayammum or wait until the next exit for wudu? Okay, great question. And the answer is that you're in one of three states if you don't have water. The state of knowing for sure that you will reach water. In that case, you're not allowed to make tayammum. The case of being 50-50. In that case, you're not allowed to make tayammum the first half of the prayer time. You're allowed to make tayammum thereafter. The third case, you're pretty sure you're not going to get water in time. You could make tayammum from any time. Right away. Can we make up our own awrad, for example? Yes, there's nothing wrong with that. But the best, it's better to take the awrads of the righteous scholars before us because their intentions were pure. They knew what they were putting in it. So I would rather, for example, recite the word of Imam al-Nawawi than the word of um, the local Imam. Imam al-Nawawi, he died. He's accepted in the Ummah. We know this person is Mubarak and the Qabul is all over him. So I would take his awrad than somebody else's, right? I'm one of those somebody else's. Who is who am I? I don't I, I don't even know if I'm going to die upon Islam. That's the truth. I don't know if I'm going to die upon the Sunnah. I don't know if I'm going to die upon piety. We ask Allah to, to always let us live and die in the Ahl Sunnah, wal Jama'ah, wal Taqwa, wal Ibadah, wal Dua, wal Qabul. We have to pray for that. So we, our creation, our creatures in the balance still, right? Our good and bad is unknown. Those who passed away of the Shiuch. And centuries have passed and we're still honoring them. This is the sign, alamat al-qabul, right? I'll, let's take their awrad rather than our own's, okay? Or, you know, our own awrad. But if you were, there's no harm. And if someone says, hey, I made my own wood, we're just saying comparatively, it means nothing. Comparatively, it doesn't mean much, right? But it's it's completely valid, yeah? Your, your dua will be... Uh, it's ibadah sahih and everything. Yani, I wrote my own dua. Ahlusahna, write your own dua. We're talking about adhkar here, not personal dua. Of course, personal dua is separate. Everyone has to do their own personal dua. My life, my whatever. But if it's adhkar, uh, let's begin with Surah Al-Fatiha, then Ayat Al-Kursi, then uh, the last three ayahs of Surah Al-Baqarah, then Law Anzan Hadar Quran, then then 100 times then this you can author what you want right and Allah may accept it from you too and who knows maybe you're also al-murabita maybe she's also going to be one of the salihat right and wird al-murabita becomes famous after that you never know you think salihin is over or over with like there's no salihin yes Allah says in the end uh so there is qalil in the end of time, but that doesn't mean there's none. If a person doesn't know how many salahs they missed, uh, what do they do? What you're going to do is you're going to make an estimate that is for sure encompassing what you missed. So if you're thinking, okay, I don't know if it's three, four, or four years. Well, what if I said four and a half? You say, oh, definitely less than four and a half. So do that, four and a half. Interstellar Chocolate Wallace says, most patient man ever, if he waits his, all his life to get married and doesn't consummate right away. 
Yes. This is about the one who doesn't consummate right after. Reed says, they can wait, though, to be intimate, right? Like, as long as it's discussed before marriage, it doesn't have to happen right away. As long as it's not, like, um, stipulated, and or that there is a reason. For example, okay, let's get married, but... I'm in pain right now. I just had surgery. I can't consummate this marriage. Or um, she can't say, I'm not comfortable with it yet. Then why did you get married? Right? Marriage is your consent to be intimate with somebody. Is there any value in consenting to something that you're actually not ready to do? Okay. The expectation is, Zawajtuka ibnati. Qabiltu zawaja. Ibnataka. Uh, uh, right? I mar- I've married you to my daughter. I have accepted the ma- your marriage to my daughter. Okay. I don't want to hear takbirs or anything. I take the daughter and we go home. Right? I don't need takbirs. I don't need almonds. I don't need uh, sharbat. I don't need any of that. Take the bint and go straight home. Huh? I don't need biryani. No. I'm going straight to the hotel. That is the technical expectation of marriage. She should be more excited than you. Right? She should be as, as excited as the husband. It's like it's one way. But if she's mentally, emotionally, physically not ready for that, then I, what is the value of doing the katbutab? Be engaged, right? Mm-hmm. If she has a reason, right? She says, no, I love you. I want to marry you. I'm just sick right now. Okay, that's fine. That's not a stipulation. That's an, a circumstance. No problem with that. Okay. أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم said أخذ بيده وقال يا معاذ إني لا أحبك yes oh معاذ I love you فقال أوصيك يا معاذ لا تدعن في دبر كل صلاة تقول اللهم أعني على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك that is a comment from a talks which means that after every salah you must say اللهم or highly sunnah to say Highly recommend this sunnah. Allahumma a'inni ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husni ba'adzati. We ask Allah to help us in dhikr. That means dhikr has levels. Right? La ilaha illallah, la ilaha illallah. While we're chatting, is very different than I'm going to excuse myself and I'm going to shut my phone off and I'm going to go do ibadah. There's levels, right? With dhikrika. Wa shukrika. There's levels of shukr. Shukr that, alhamdulillah, Allah gave me this and I'm not going to use it for haram. Khalas. You're at the ground floor of shukr. But Allah gave me this. I'm not going to use it for haram, but many other people need help. I'm going to spend a lot, 50% to help others. I'm going to spend 90% to help others. Different levels of shukr. وَحُسْنِ عِبَادَتِكَ Ibadah is levels too. Someone who prays shaf and witr and goes to bed, أَهْنَ وَسَهْنَ MashaAllah, he fulfills his sunnah. But someone who prays tahajjud, it's better. Mass Q is asking, did you manage to find out why the Hanafis don't let the wife wash the husband when he passed away? No, I didn't find out yet. Can you ask? Is the onset of Haid considered the point when prayers should start counting? Yes, that's correct. No, puberty is not defined from the age of seven. Puberty is defined when a woman has Haid or a man boy releases semen whether it's a wet dream or otherwise. If he can release semen, prayers 
all of the Sharia is now binding upon him. Deepening of the voice in the absence of semen. Not really. No. Well, with, when it comes to Sheikh Harun, you never know how many books he's citing from, so don't <laughs> discount it. Um, when I studied this with Sheikh Mahmoud, he listed a lot of things. The hair, under the arms, the hair, in Batushar. Batushar, I think, is in Dashir, right? As a layman, says Turquoise, can I make da'wah call people to Islam? Yes. A layman does not need uh, permission before teaching al-ma'loom min al-deen bil-darura. A layman, a common man, does not need permission to say alcohol is haram. Salah is five times a day. Muhammad is the last messenger of Allah. These are qat'iyat, mutawatirat, ma'loom min al-deen bil-darura. The layman does not need to to ask permission for that or take a course the methodology and the wisdom maybe but you know that that's what the deen is in the maliki fiqh is gelatin halal there's a discussion on it i can't give you the colon fuss right here all right ladies and gentlemen we have a lot of questions unfortunately that we couldn't get to okay i'll take one more from joanna s i'm in my plane how do i know how to pray you have to look out the window okay you have to look out the window and you have to judge the prayer time that you are in right now and the only hard prayer to catch is fajr is fajr because you have to catch it when the sun light is up but the sun is not up beyond that the nighttime prayer is easy and the daytime prayer is easy ورسائل المسلمين والمسلمات سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر والسلام عليكم